Welcome back to True Crime Trine, the podcast where the planets align and three friends talk about true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit we can fit in this podcast. We are your hosts, Hannah, Sarah, and Meredith. And welcome to episode eight. I think I'm right this time. Yes, even (laughs) number this time. Meredith tell our story. I did get a little more feedback. The latest episode that came out, so our Richard Cooey gooey dick episode, I received a text from a friend and all it said was you ruined one of my top five classic rock bands. And I was like I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about, sir. And then I realized it was Bad Company. And uh, Bad Company apparently has other songs besides Bad Company which makes that tape even worse because they also have the song Feel Like Making Love. That's Bad Company. And Good Loving Gone Bad is another one of their songs. So it's oh, all bad. That's very bad. It's so bad. I was. It's worse than I thought. Sorry, Marty. Sorry, Marty. Whoops. But it does, it does add more horror to everything. For sure. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, who knows what we're going to ruin for each of our listeners. It'll be something different for all of you. Well, it's noted. We've ruined that for one. It's the first thing we've ruined. I'm very excited about it, actually. We'll mark our calendar. Well, actually, we don't need to mark our calendars because it's my birthday. Yay! So, to start this episode, just FYI, I don't normally have beverages, alcoholic beverages, but I am. So, excuse any slurred speech or wild tangents that. I may or may not partake in later on in this episode. Or additional slamming of drinks down for emphasis. Oh, yes. Oh, we'll just be yeah. me now. <laughs> There's thumps and bumps. I'm looking. I forgot to put my koozie on, so it's going to be some thumps and bumps. <laughs> and I would like to give a shout out to Titi, the president of the TCT fan club, who sent us stickers. Yay! We're super excited oh, yes. about those. That was awesome. And that we have a fan club. Doubly yes. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for that. It was an awesome birthday surprise for me. And I really, really appreciate all the support and love that we've been receiving. So let's get started. The story that I have for you guys today is about Connie King Quedens. Connie was born March 22nd of 1945, which makes her an Aries. I was like, not another Gemini. Okay, no. we'll have a Gemini break. <laughs> no, but I feel like I did Leonardo, who was also an Aries, um, so I guess I've got... You're drawn to those. They're kind of fiery. Exactly, kind of fiery. This crime took place in LaGrange, Georgia, which is about an hour southwest of Atlanta. It is close to the Alabama state line. I did have to look up what constitutes a small town, which I learned is generally a town that is less than 25,000 people. So back in the 80s, when this happened, LaGrange had a population of just over 24,000 So it would still be considered a small town. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you about LaGrange is because there were rumors swirling around the town, you know, that small town gossip, if you will. I love it. And that is one of the most interesting parts of the case is the small town gossip. So I am going to switch gears a little bit because I want to start the story from the victim's point of view, which is how this story is often told. There's, um, you know, a couple different episodes of like forensic files and cold case files and things like that. So this is the story of Willie Fred Wilkerson. He went by Fred. He was born April 13th in 1938 in Randolph County, Georgia. So we are down south, folks. Yeehaw! I got to practice Peaches. my southern accent, is what you're saying. Yes. Also, Fred is an interesting nickname for William. I know. Yeah. I don't know why. It might, maybe it's his middle name. I don't know. I mean, I get Bill, but yeah, Fred. <laughs> so 
Willie Fred Wilkerson, or Fred as his family called him. Uh, Let me start that over. This is going to be a fucking shit show. (laughs) Let me drink another drink. Yeah, (laughs) take another swig. We have a bigger swig of that. Okay. According to Fred's family, Fred and Connie were dating, though at the time she was still married to a man named Gary Quedens. So sometime in 1986 or early 1987... Fred and Connie pulled their money and they purchased a 14-acre piece of property just north of LaGrange, Georgia, and they began building their home together. Mr. Quedens was just like, bye. <laughs> yeah. I think he lived out of state, actually. Oh, interesting. At this time, but... Connie would later indicate that Fred was merely just a contractor and that she had allowed him to live on site to be closer to work. I'm saying this is a audio medium. You can't see my eyebrows, but mm-hmm, 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 Connie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So at some point in August or September of 1987, Fred deeded his portion of the property to Connie for, and I quote my big air quotes, love and affection. Well, that's gross. And I, I don't <laughs> yeah. like, that's the grossest thing we've said in this entire podcast. I know, right? <laughs> and this this love and affection was actually written on the deed transfer. So I'm going to call bullshit on Connie's claim that he was just the contractor. Oh, God. Or, so mm, no. why? I know. So why did Fred deed his portion over to Connie? That's a great question. I couldn't find a confirmed reason, but I did read in a few places that Connie may have used her pending divorce and custody battle as a reason to convince Fred to put the property in her name. Clearly, Fred did not object to this, though. I guess not. He's smitten. Right? Obviously, he wrote it on, like, the fucking subject line of his check. Yeah. Love and affection. Like, literally, barf. Pull it together, Fred. There's a dollar amount to that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So, shortly after Fred had deeded his portion of the property to Connie, she had both Fred and his son Tim, who was 18 at the time, arrested and removed from the property. Like it's trespassers? Yes. Fred! (laughs) Okay. Bruh. It's a pretty interesting way to break up with somebody. Yes. Never tried that before as not being a landowner. (laughs) Right? I mean, I've threatened, like, calling the cops to get a um, separation. What is the the thing you call it again? Protection order? There we go. My brain today, I swear. All of our brains. Um, Fucking hell. It's bad. From someone that I, like, went on a date with and then became a stalker. Ew. Yuck. But, like, not, not that degree, though. With someone that you have love and affection for. (laughs) I'd say stalker dude sounds more like he should be arrested than Fred and his son, but... Yeah. So, I will also note here that her soon-to-be ex-husband, Gary Quedens, moved into the house with Connie and her children not too long after she had Fred booted. So, meanwhile, Fred and Tim moved into an apartment in LaGrange. Fred was dead broke at this point. He invested most of his money into that purchase of the property and the building materials for building the house. So, Fred decided to file a lawsuit against Connie to recover some of the money that he had spent. Hmm. On November 27th of 1987, Connie was served the court documents. The claim was for around $23,000. The lawsuit also indicated that Fred had been tricked into signing the title over to Connie. So one can assume that Connie was not pleased with this lawsuit. No. Two days later, on Friday, November 27th, 1987, Fred Wilkerson disappeared. Oh, yep. I was waiting for this. Fred. Poor Fred. He just wanted to love. I know. It's so sad. Big dumb heart. (laughs) So when Fred did not come home on that Friday, his son Tim started to get worried. It was not common for Fred to leave without saying something or leaving a note. And remember that Fred and Tim were sharing that apartment in LaGrange. So when Fred still had not come home by the next morning, Tim and his sister Tracy began calling friends and relatives, but no one had heard or seen from Fred. 
Tim notified the local police to report his father missing. Fred's car was gone, but there was nothing missing from the apartment. So it was like Fred basically vanished. But took nothing with him. Nothing. When the police asked Tim and Tracy if anyone would want to cause Fred harm, they both said, That's right. Ding, ding, ding. Connie Quedens. <laughs> Ta-da. I know, right? <laughs> police questioned Connie, but she had said that she had not seen him for several weeks. She denied having any romantic involvement with Fred. She said he was merely the contractor working on her house. Personally, I really find this hard to believe. I 100% don't believe this. Right. I'm going to go there. But without any evidence to the contrary, police had to pursue other leads. On Christmas Eve of 1987, Fred's car was found at the Atlanta International Airport in the long-term parking area. It was unlocked with the keys in the front seat. And what is most notable about this is that the police did not find any fingerprints on or in the car. Weird. Hmm. I always wipe down my car after I drive it somewhere. And leave the keys in it. (laughs) I don't even remember the last time I washed my car. (laughs) I know. True that. What they did find was two paychecks that had not been cashed. Still, with the lack of evidence and the fact that Fred was 49 years old, he was an adult, it could not be determined whether or not Fred left willingly. His family all agreed that Fred would not leave. He was just not that type of person. Police did not find any records of flights or travel out of the area, nor did they find any activity on his bank accounts or his social security number. What's unclear to me at this point is whether or not the police made the information about his vehicle public. From the articles that I read, it appears that they did not, but other articles indicate that his family was aware of them finding the car. And I know that sometimes police will withhold details or evidence in a case, in order to help determine if a suspect possesses that type of knowledge of the crime. Right. But I'm not sure why they didn't release this information sooner, because the location of his vehicle would be a key element in solving his case 16 years later. My dudes! Okay. Yeah. Can't drink some more. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! I should have got myself a straw, though, because I'm getting down to the ice. (laughs) (laughs) Then it all, like, hits you in the face and serves you up enough to take another drink. Wakes you up. (laughs) Here we go. So fast forward seven years to the spring of 1995. And a side note, 1995 was the first year that the internet was entirely privatized. America Online and Prodigy offered access to the World Wide Web system for the first time in 1995, which made... Browsers more accessible to the general public. So, wow. Thank you. Just a little tidbit of information there. I'm hearing the little kind of sound going on in my head right now. (laughs) The dial up. (laughs) That's awesome. So, in the spring of 1995, Connie had a well filled in on her property. Rumors around LaGrange started to radiate, and town folks suspected that Fred was probably in the well. Oh. Me and those town folk would totally be gossiping about this. I'm with them. Yeah. For sure. So to make matters worse, in May of 1995, Connie petitioned the court to have Fred declared legally dead. Can she do that (laughs) if she has no ties to him? Evidently you can. Okay. Fred's family hired an attorney to see what could be done to prevent this, as there was no reason for it, but soon found out that there really wasn't anything that they could do. so weird. On May 24th of 1995, a judge issued the order establishing the presumption of death since Fred had been missing for more than seven years. A few months later... Connie received a payout of $12,000 on an insurance policy that she had been paying for for the last seven years. Oh. Well, she was patient to an extent, but then she cashed it right away. Well, you have to, I guess. I don't know. There's no way to not look suspicious here. She was trying to distance herself earlier on and now is trying to... How does that look okay to anybody? I took a life insurance policy out on my contractor, 
And (laughs) seven years later, I want the payout on it. Yeah. But again, she had been paying this premium, whatever it was, for the last seven years. That's also weird. It is. So if this isn't suspicious, then I don't know what you would consider suspicious, but it's very suspicious. Us and the Southern gossips are all on this. I know, right? Over their Sunday tea or whatever, too. I'm wearing my fancy hat, drinking my sweet tea. Have you heard? Yeah. (laughs) I do declare. (laughs) My oh my. (laughs) There goes our Southern listeners. No, that's my family, man. They'll hang in for us. They'll hang in. So the Troop County Sheriff, which is the county that LaGrange is in, the police did reach out to Connie to come in for a polygraph. Connie agreed and scheduled an interview time, but then she never showed up, and then she stopped cooperating with the police entirely. Police still did not have any evidence to obtain any kind of search warrants for the property. They had their suspicions, but their hands were tied. After all, you can't get a warrant on hearsay, town gossip, or in this case, common sense, sadly. The law is lacking in common sense in some instances. Yeah, and yet we still see people, like, being searched and have seizures and stuff without warrants all the time. And they get them later. (sighs) So around this time, the reporter Lee West for the LaGrange Daily News wrote an article about Fred's disappearance in which he included the information about Fred's car being found at the Atlanta International Airport. An acquaintance of Connie, Lisa Holderman, read the article. She contacted the Wilkerson family attorney and said she had information that she believed would be relevant to Fred's disappearance, but nobody contacted her back. Okay. Mm. Fast forward another eight years to May of 2003. Troop County attorney Pete Scandalakis. That's a great name. Took his, I know, right? (laughs) I hope I said it right. I liked it. That sounds right. So Troop County District Attorney Pete Scandalakis took his truck to be repaired at a local shop that was owned by Tim Wilkerson, Fred's son. Tim struck up a conversation with Scandalakis about a cold case that had recently been solved in a nearby town of Hogansville. Tim mentioned his father's disappearance, and the two of them talked about Fred for quite some time. Afterwards, Scandalakis contacted a special investigator for the Troop County DA's office named Clay Bryant and asked him to look into the case. Finally. Bryant dug into the old files and found quite a few leads that had never been looked into. He found that in 1995, Lisa Holderman had tried to provide some information to the Wilkerson family attorney, but that interview had never taken place. On September 5th of 2003, Bryant contacted Lisa Holderman, now Miles. She indicated that In 1995, after reading the article in the LaGrange Daily News, where it said that Fred's car was located at the Atlanta International Airport, she remembered that she drove to the airport right around the time of Fred's disappearance to pick Connie up. Lisa said that it did not seem weird at the time, but after reading the article, it made her wonder. Yeah, it felt real weird. I get it, Lisa. Mm -hmm. So according to the court transcripts, from an appeal in March of 2006. On November 28th, Connie asked Lisa to drive her to the Atlanta airport in order to provide Connie with transportation back from the airport to Troop County. Connie told Lisa that she had to drive an intoxicated friend to the airport in their car. Lisa did not see Connie's friend, nor did she see the car that Connie drove to the airport. I definitely don't bring my drunk friends to the airport, but okay. You right? just drop them off. <laughs> Would they be able to board a flight I even? Know. I don't know. Maybe back in 1980. Or no, this was 2003. Maybe After back 9-11, in so I think things yeah. are different in the airports. Okay, so no. <laughs> like once you get on the plane, you can have drinks, but we don't want you to be inebriated before you go through TSA. Right. Fun fact is that you can travel through TSA with liquor in your three ounce bag. That's a couple shots worth. You can fit six minis in the appropriate size bag for them. I know this. I was like, you have this uh, in your mind. Uh huh. The TSA does not mind. The airline, however, 
does not want you to be partaking in your fun-filled bag <laughs> on the airplane and you can get in trouble with the airline. But yeah. TSA, or at least my TSA agent was like, y'all have fun. The one thing. They don't, I mean, they don't check what the liquids are. You just have to be able to fit them into a quart-sized bag. But they definitely don't want you to get drunk not on their dime on the plane. And honestly, they should check what the liquids are. Otherwise, they're just wasting our time. Yeah, they did check what the liquids are, and it was my sister and I, and really, we just got a smile. We were headed to Vegas. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Those ones. The TSA agent didn't mind. We did have to hide it while we were on the plane, though, because you have to buy it on the plane, and that's what they want, is you just spend that money on the plane. Exactly, for you to buy. I brought a conical of... Well, I brought a 50 mil conical because it's within the size allotment of um, my amoeba culture on the plane with me to Woods Hole. They're like, what <laughs> they is didn't this? bat an eye at a specimen conical with like an orange cap and a, you know, like the lines um, showing the volumes on the sides and everything. They're just like, sure, whatever. Did they not even ask? Nope. It just went through with my shampoo and everything and nobody said anything. It's a awesome. special beauty product. Yeah. It's the easiest way to be able to transport things and not have to worry about the shipment making it on time. <laughs> Except it goes through the x-ray. so my, You can bring alcohol and amoebas. My culture was a little bit messed up for a few days, but it recovered. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So with Lisa's statements, it gave the police just enough probable cause to obtain a search warrant for the 14-acre property off Ware's Cross Road. On September 30th of 2003, police executed the search warrant for the property, which included the ability to, yep, that's right. Excavate the well. Get okay. it. Dig, dig, dig. I or know. Jackhammer, whatever you have to do. But like gently. <laughs> this was a backhoe. Okay. Oh my God. They were very gentle and took good caution in doing so. Okay. When the special investigator Bryant told Connie that they were going to search the well, she said, quote, if he's in there, I know nothing about it, end quote. <laughs> Okay, Connie. Sure. Cover your bases. So in insert eye roll there. Mm. Good to know. When Bryant informed Connie that the person had come forward and said that she had picked Connie up from the airport, Connie said, quote, I drove his car to the airport, but I didn't kill him, end quote. Oh, so he's, <laughs> so he's dead? Is what that's <sighs> implying, my dude? So about 20 minutes into the excavation investigators discovered human remains i mean yay but also no i know the body was wrapped in a roll of carpet located with the remains were pants dentures and chapsticks which were all believed to belong to fred wilkerson Wait, did you said chapstick 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 because i will also be buried with my chapstick i always have it on my person <laughs> yep if there's ever chapstick on a body, I'm going to immediately think of Hannah. Okay, so Fred and Hannah. Yep, soulmate. <laughs> so who else was going to be in that well, right? I mean, come on, Connie. I was like, maybe Mr. Queedens. Maybe nobody. He was still around around and kicking, Mr. Gary Queedens. Gary dodged a we'll bullet. Get, we'll get back to him in, in a minute. Maybe he didn't. So... After the examination of the remains, it was determined that the cause of death was a gunshot wound to the back of the head. Oof. Wow. Connie Quedance was arrested. She made two claims. The first claim was that the remains found were not Fred Wilkerson. And the second, if they were Fred's, she did not put him there. That seems pretty easy to counter in 2003. We have DNA. It was. Okay. So, mitochondrial DNA testing confirmed that the remains were, in fact, Fred Wilkerson, and mitochondrial DNA, unlike nuclear DNA, is inherited from the mother, while nuclear DNA is inherited from both of your parents. Mm -hmm. So, according to the court transcripts, again, from March of 2006, which is where I did find most of the information on the case... During the execution of the search warrant, Connie told investigators that she had not gone on a family Thanksgiving trip to Florida in 1987 because she had to work on Friday and Saturday of that week. Connie told officers that Wilkerson had come to her home at 
her invitation on November 27th of 1987 to discuss the settlement of the lawsuit against her. Connie also told officers that a marked police car had driven into Connie's driveway behind Wilkerson and an ununiformed officer and a nurse had exited the vehicle. Wilkerson, the officer, and the nurse yelled at each other and then they all left together in the police car. (sighs) So that meant Fred left his car on her property. Exactly. Okay. So Connie stated that she drove Fred's car to the airport the following day after receiving a phone call threatening her and her children if she did not do so. Uh, Okay. I think Connie's a little creative. Connie has an imagination. Yeah. So Connie's husband, Gary Quedance, so they never did get around to getting that divorce, (laughs) testified that upon his return to Troop County, in 1987, on that Thanksgiving trip that they had taken to Florida, he found downstairs a cocked and loaded Walther PPK 38 caliber gun that had been fired. And the, did they take it and do like the ballistics and stuff on it to find out if the bullets match? I don't think so at this point. This was just in Gary's testimony. Okay. I'm always super fascinated by that because of, like, the gun barrel being, like, a fingerprint on the actual Mm -hmm. bullet and, like, how it affects the outcome of, like, the metal and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's super interesting. Uh, Let's see. Jurors were also played a recorded conversation between Connie and Gary concerning the division of their marital property. Connie recorded the conversation in 2003 in which Connie inquired about the gun and was quiet about it after Gary reminded her that it was the gun from 17 years ago during the, quote, Fred thing. Gary, what the fuck? Oh my god. So, was Gary in on it? Gary! We don't know. However, Gary was granted immunity against prosecution for his testimony against Connie. Fair. I guess it'd be a lot harder to prove if he was a part of it. And it was definitely Connie. Exactly. So in November of 2004, Connie Quedance went on trial for murder. She was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. However, due to the Georgia statutes at the time, Connie would be eligible for parole in 2011. What? What? I know. The Georgia State Board of Pardons and Paroles has the discretion to issue parole, and it does not appear that they have granted her clemency. As of today, Connie is incarcerated at Pulaski State Prison in Hawkinsville, Georgia, which is about two hours south of Atlanta. Good. Okay, good. Because otherwise, that would have been like six years in prison and she could have been paroled for murder? Yeah. Exactly. I don't get it. It's these weird statutes, right? Yeah. It's crazy pants. Oh, because it was like right at the 17-year mark, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So Fred's children, Tim and Tracy, filed a lawsuit against both Connie and Gary Quedance seeking $22 million in damages for fraud and the wrongful death of Fred Wilkerson. The suit claimed RICO, or Racketeer Influence Corrupt Organizations Act. Mm Mm-hmm. The RICO claim alleged that the Quedans couple and possibly others had conspired to kill Fred so they could steal the 14-acre property. Additionally, it said that Fred was killed when he filed a lawsuit challenging the transfer of the title to Connie. I mean, that seems likely. Right? The attorney for the family, Peter Alford, contended that the statute of limitations shouldn't have started until they knew a homicide had been committed and when the body had been found. So how are we to know it was a homicide? How can you prosecute a wrongful death claim until you have a body? Okay. These are all very good points that Peter made. Thanks, Peter. Defense attorneys argued that the suit should have been filed within two years after May 24th of 1994 when Fred was declared dead. In criminal law, there is no statute of limitation on murder. Alfred argued that it should be that way in a civil case as well. However, the Troop County judge dismissed the claim stating that it was barred by the two-year statute of limitations. 
the Troop County judge throughout the $22 million wrongful claim and fraud in 2006. I could not find any other information about whether or not the Wilkerson family appealed that decision, but ultimately, I just feel terrible for this family and everything that they've had to go through. Yeah. I just can't imagine, like, how hard it would be to experience that type of loss, but then also having to wait 16 years to get any type of answers And then to be denied in a wrongful death suit, it just makes my heart bleed. Yeah, like, they had no idea what happened for so long. And, I mean, they probably thought Connie did something, but it's still different than actually knowing that his body has been found and whatnot. And the kicker for me, and the reason why I picked this case was because the whole time, like, everywhere you read, it says... We all knew Fred was in the well. (laughs) Like, the whole town of LaGrange, Georgia, knew that Fred was in the fucking well. And police, they couldn't do anything about it because you can't. They did not have... Yeah, it's not enough. That's nothing, actually. Yeah, they didn't have the probable cause to go in there and and say, you know, we're pretty sure Fred's in the well. Can we look? (laughs) Pretty please. (laughs) But... That, my friends, is the story of Connie Quedance. A little bit of a short one for you. Which is fine. <laughs> Which is probably good because I'm already shit-faced. Let's get you back to drinking. It's smart day. So for the astrological overview, it took me forever to find her birth date and location. And I actually ended up tracking it down by obtaining a copy of the marriage certificate to Gary Quedance from 1963. So I'm super proud of my super sleuthing skills. You're a future PI for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to get that license. So Connie Faye King was born March 22nd, 1945 in Maysell, West Virginia. She is an Aries, like I said before. So those with their son in Aries are said to be gifted with a direct and fiery nature. They are passionate and they are motivated and they often think before they leap. They are known to have selfish tendencies, impulsiveness, and are quick to lose their tempers. Yeah. Yeah. This is, sounds very Aries. Mm-hmm. I would have said more that I think Aries would act before they thought because they'd be caught up in the emotions of it all but depending on what their mercury is though right they could right. be more communication like, conniving and their mm-hmm. mars yeah so i did look into her mars honey you mentioned hey. that her mars is an aquarius there you go this is a fun combo right so those with their mars in aquarius tend to surprise people and they're not easily pushed around and they are quite clever at getting what they want Well, Fred did get shot in the back of the head. I would say that's a surprise. Exactly. So, again, with Mars, it's it kind of relates to your will and how you assert yourself, and sometimes even your sexual energy. Just to watch out, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) But her moon is in Cancer, so. Those with their moon in cancer have a tendency to get wrapped up in themselves or what I like to call self-centric, which isn't always a bad thing, but it can lead to issues with seeing things from other people's perspectives. But they are also said to be clinging and like their home and the people they truly love. So in in this case, it was that home. She was very... She went through a lot to get that home. And she had it for quite some time until they busted her ass and put her in jail. An Aries sun and then a Cancer moon. An Aries is very, like, sure of themselves and, you know, kind of loud and brash. And like you said, a Cancer is also very sure of themselves, but in, like, quieter way, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so Yeah, they follow more, like, intuition. But you got both of those together. You're pretty sure of yourself and you're going to do whatever the fuck you think you need to, to, like, get what you want and she did and she got away with it for a like a stupid long time yeah for a really really long time and that's why when i was reading it i was like why didn't they like put out to the public or if his family knew about it and you know with the the rumor mill going in lagrange why didn't they talk about it to 
you know, like get that gossip over to Lisa. And then Lisa could have had that epiphany, you know, years before. And then the attorney that they hired, the fact that they didn't even bother to follow up with Lisa was just like, this lady held held the key to that probable like she cause. Was it. Yeah, that attorney did poorly as well. Maybe we should sue him. Yeah, I know. But yes, so that, my friends, is the case of Connie Quedance. Definitely had some fire. I definitely had some passion. Yeah. Yes. I'm interested into what... Sarah, what do you think Fred's son is? Oh, God. I kind of want to say Libra. I don't know why. I could see Libra because he was very agreeable. He was like, yeah, fine. I will give you the deed. We'll stay and happy. And like the people pleasing and people like... People pleasing. Yeah. I was going to say Pisces. Fred was a Pisces. No! Oh! <laughs> I was going to say Pisces because uh, a lot of times Pisces are very romantic and can have an idealized version of someone in their head. And so, like, yeah, he probably actually really did fall for Connie or at least fell for what his idea of Connie was. And mm-hmm. then it got him in the end. Okay. Sarah's just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are both really good at at that i'm like i don't know that's why i was like let me ask sarah i'm not gonna put you through any more astrology today meredith it's your birthday <laughs> yeah well i mean just a little bit more for the end of the podcast oh right? yes but you brought us a lot of good stuff oh yeah and i am almost empty and now it's like dripping <laughs> my cup <laughs> Just, put Just that in case out there. anyone was wondering what's dripping. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Meredith is dripping. Um, I, and. With enthusiasm. Yikes. <laughs> well, before we completely fall apart, do you have some astrology for us, Sarah? I do. Wait, I do want to say something first of all. Okay. Fucking. Mercury's not even in fucking retrograde when we record this, and I'm already dying. <laughs> Yeah. It's not good for electronics. No, it's not. Electronics, travel, big decisions, large projects. Large projects. All of it. It's a fucking hell. It's a real thing, y'all. Yeah. Rough. If you want to tell us about your experiences with your Mercury in retrograde, reach out. Oh, definitely. Maybe you'll make me feel better about mine. We always need some of that, like, camaraderie and a little bit of mayhem from other people. You know, that's why we like watching comedies, because it's like you get to see what's going on in someone else's life to kind of bring yours into perspective, too. So I almost cried today at my computer, so. Oh, I definitely would have cried. I would have cried and just turned it off and, like, not touched it for three days, because I'm, like, terrified of messing it up like that. I felt that I couldn't get the tears to come out, which made me think I'm probably on a lot too much medication to not be able to cry. (laughs) Oh, you're just too level now, yeah. (laughs) I don't know anymore. Yeah. But it's better. It's better. Because you're talking about murder, and we're having beverages. And we're recording this tonight, which I was probably 75% sure I wasn't going to make it to, so. Well, yay. And I feel less murderous after hearing a story about murder. Yay. <laughs> so that helps. <laughs> well, at least we don't have to bail you out of jail. There's that. <laughs> we need to have like a pact here that none of us ever become a story that the other two tell. Oh, no. 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 I think you get angry and you get upset at things. And I always ask myself, is this the mountain? Is this the mountain I want to die on? Is this worth jail time? <laughs> and the answer is always no, my friends. It's always no. <laughs> Take a step back, gain a new perspective, walk away, whatever you got to do. Don't become a story for us. Find. But if you do. Let us know. Keep connected. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say. We will talk about you. Find your inner Scorpio Venus in the ones that will just fucking ice people out of your life. Just fucking cut them off and never talk to them again. And then you don't murder them. It's good, and they're just not a part of you anymore. There you go. Don't do the other thing that a Scorpio Venus might do, which becomes obsessed and stalk them. So (laughs) choose your Scorpio Venus fighter. It's the plus and minuses on both sides. (laughs) Okay, so speaking of astrology and all of this fun stuff, 
So as we're recording, we just went through a lunar eclipse this morning, which I got up at 4 a.m. and messed up my entire sleep cycle for the day to be able to look at and feel the energy, you know. (laughs) Yeah, we'll post Sarah's picture because it's really amazing. I mean, it's not my best. I didn't have my tripod. My camera wasn't charged, even though I charged it before I put it into storage. Like, it just drains the battery, so. It was four in the morning. We're going to cut you some slack. I was barely awake. I was trying not to wake up too much so that I would be able to go back to sleep, and that didn't end up happening very well. So this this Mercury retrograde pattern right now is really messing with me, too. <laughs> Dying. Okay. So on that note, we just went through the lunar eclipse and now on June 10th, which is a Thursday, for approximately four minutes, there's going to be an annular solar eclipse. Ooh. Yay! So um, depending on where you are in the world, you may or may not be able to actually see this. I think for us in the Pacific time, it's going to happen in like the early, early morning at like, again, 4 a.m. So we're not going to be able to see it. We're probably going to sleep okay. through this. Well, I mean, you won't see it at all because it only happens for four minutes and the sun's not up for us. Yeah. So, but like for those of you who are, right, because the sun rises in the east. So if you're in Europe, you'll probably be able to see it. Okay. Oh, we do have Europe peeps. Hi, Europe Yeah, so Europe peeps, check it out. <laughs> I mean, don't look at it with your eyes though. You're, you're going to want to use one of those little eclipse viewing special devices. But so this is technically a new moon because anytime that the the Earth is looking at the moon and cannot see it because the side of the moon that is illuminated is away from the Earth. Technically, this is also a new moon, and it happens to be in Sagittarius during this time with the sun in Gemini. So that means that Sagittarians and Gemini people will feel this the strongest, but also because the new moon is in Sagittarius and it's an eclipse, you may feel a need for kind of restarting things, a need for some adventure, strengthening your feelings of optimism and well-being, wanting to like have a fresh start maybe in some aspects of your life or some big projects. But also be aware that there's some pitfalls that you might want to look out for and not gloss over the details in your life during this time. So Sagittarians sometimes have a tendency to be really enthusiastic about what's going on and might not consider all of the different little things that could happen behind the scenes. So If you have Sagittarius anywhere in your chart, be aware of that, that when you feel this need for change or adventure, be sure that you're making the right call, especially because this is also happening during a time of Mercury retrograde. I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah. Keep the stakes low, friends. Yeah. And then, so because of all this excitement and enthusiasm, you want to also take other people's feelings and well-being into account as well. So if any of the decisions that you're going to make that you have looked into the details, make sure that everybody that's affected also is kind of on your side with that decision. Let's, yeah, not make enemies in this situation. Communication is always so important during a a Mercury retrograde too, to be careful what you're saying and make sure that there's not some sort of weird, not innuendo, but some weird tone or something that someone's reading that you're not trying to give out, so. Exactly, yeah, because misinterpretations happen a lot during this time. Because Mercury is the planet of communication. Yeah. So along that, to add some of the witchy bullshit back in, since we don't, ha- we haven't done a whole lot of that lately, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the Salem Witch Trials sooner or later, and we'll be oh, yes. mired in it for a while. Part of this that I really, really love, just because I also love like rocks and crystals, is that you can strengthen certain crystals with the moon or with the sun. You don't like certain certain crystals are definitely sensitive to the sun, but there are some crystals that are also protective in different ways. So during this time to increase your power of concentration and confidence to be able to restart whatever your project is and to help neutralize any of that negative energy that might be brought into um, your situations, fluorite is actually a really helpful crystal that is an aid for that. So it infuses us with like that positive energy and encourages kind of your positive feelings and improves that balance and coordination physically and mentally during this time. And purple fluorite especially. So if you have like a rainbow fluorite, the purple parts of that are like going to help you out with your spiritual side. So whether or not that's too woo-woo witchy bullshit for you, you get to, you know, keep that in mind. But I do have fluorite and it's super pretty it's and fun to look so at. Pretty. So pretty. And it's yeah. like, I feel like it's a pretty good, like, starter crystal. Yes. Yeah. They're not too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are really vibrant and pretty. They're gorgeous. And, uh, 
So yeah, uh, if you have any Sagittarius in your chart, go ahead and like take a look and check it out and see how that might actually affect you. There's no way for me to actually go through all the different ways that you might be affected by this Sagittarius solar eclipse because there's just so much to go through. But if you do have Sagittarius in your chart, that might tell you where um, you might be feeling certain changes and things like that. So, and if you notice any of that too, you can write in and, and let us know what's happening to you. <laughs> Mine happens to be in Lilith. So that's going to be fun. I'm going to throw in a little note here, even though the person that suggested this um, isn't listening to the podcast, but I'm going to add to the website some uh, books that I've read for us, astrology and whatnot, if you guys are oh, interested. Yeah. And like, I'm the book reader if sarah you have some good websites you might want to sh we might just do an astrology tab i don't know mm -hmm. we'll think about this but if you guys are interested there's a lot of resources out there it's just super fun it's totally fascinating too like even for me who's a lot newer to just astrology in general like it's been pretty eye-opening and we even have a couple of our listeners that have checked their charts as well i know i'm so excited that other people That's are so excited exciting. about it yeah yeah it's super cool to get that feedback too and looking at my chart was because i didn't actually really get into this probably until like maybe 2018 2019 but like looking at my chart and learning all about astrology and whatnot it was almost like a form of therapy for me as just to see like i feel like my chart matches me very well but it, it shows the pros and also shows the things that i'm not very good at and you think about that mm. more. And gives you a point to journal from, too. Exactly. We'll bring tarot up sometime, too. But, uh... Ooh. We were going to do a, a tarot poll tonight. On the podcast? I thought we were. We talked about it. I, I can go get, get my, my cards. cards. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, boy. It's been so long. I'm going to have a hangover on Thursday, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Just so you know. Because I can't just have one. What well, fun is that? Once you drinking until you're like, well, another one sounds delicious. This one's really good. <laughs> okay, then you're in the perfect mindset for a tarot. I'm very open-minded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are we doing one for the podcast or for... Oh. That's an interesting idea. We can do one for the podcast. Okay, so I've been handling these for a while, and I shuffled them with June in my mind. So what is June um, going to bring to us? And I'm just going to do a, a top single card pull. Okay, Sarah and I ran and got our decks, or I got one of the many decks that I have in my house. <laughs> um, I've never used this deck before, but I think cleansing in the moonlight and the card I just pulled is a good sign for how this deck is going to work for me. Uh, both Sarah and I decided we'll both do one poll from our decks while, and we did the poll while thinking about what is this next month, the month of June, going to bring for our podcast. Mm -hmm. So the card that I drew is the Page of Cups, which, mm -hmm. keywords for that, creative, opportunities, intuitive messages, curiosity, and possibility. Fucking hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I saw that and I was like, mm -hmm. that's a good omen. We just got to keep doing this, just keep being curious and writing these scripts and we'll just keep rolling along. Yep. Absolutely awesome. What did you get, Sarah? So my deck has been such a, a nice little critter for me ever since I got it. <laughs> it's It made me cry like good tears on day one when I did a complex poll for myself after getting out of a, like a difficult situation and it like read me like a book. It's like kind of not surprising that I pulled this. It's actually called the universe in my deck, but this is number 21 of the major arcana and it's the world. And I did pull it upright instead of reversed. So typically, I know Hannah, you don't really do this a whole lot, but the there's kind of different ways that you can select the card. So if you do happen to pull it and it's upside down when you flip it over, that's called reversed. And so it's kind of the opposite thing that's true of what happens with that specific tarot card. But this one was upright. So what the world means. I've started reading reverses more. Oh, you have? Okay, cool. So the world has a few keywords of love, work, life, and fulfillment. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So fulfillment especially, and with note of what's happening here, and I'm just like reading this off, but fulfillment, harmony, completion, integration, and unity. 
That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like that's a pretty good omen given the state of things and our kind of new starts here and trying to make it through this Mercury retrograde. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... We'll make it through the retrograde. We have the Page of Cups. We have the power of curiosity behind us. Mm -hmm. We're going to be able to keep doing our research and putting out these episodes. No problemo. Yay. And I will add that I did not do a poll, but I did pour myself another drink. (laughs) And I feel really good about what's to come for June. Yay. That might be (laughs) the most accurate fortune telling we've done so far. But yeah. uh, I like this. Ours are green a lot, Sarah. We're on the right track. Yay. Just We just got to keep working. So as Mercury is still in retrograde, we don't want to miss any Hi. communications with you. So please reach out to us. You can connect with us on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, on Facebook at TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at www.truecrimetrine.com. We'd love to hear from you, so please reach out. Rate us. Leave a review. We're finally searchable on Apple. Thanks, Peggy. It's been such a pain (laughs) in the ass that I want to get a new phone, and I might not get an iPhone for the first time in my life. Come to the... Not dark side? <laughs> the android side. Mixed feelings about Apple right now. That was probably the, the hardest like part of all of this so far has been getting a posted to Apple and then being able to be searchable. But we we are the victor. We have won. We are. We wore down Apple. So please rate us. Definitely, if you have nice words to say to us, please share those with us. If you have negative thoughts, please share those at our truecrimetrine at gmail.com, and I will reach out to you personally and persuade you. Ah, yes. After a nice Moscow mule or two. I'm very friendly. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all need not feel ashamed of flirting with Zodiac. Zodiac is well worth flirting with. Unless it's a Zodiac killer, y'all. Boom. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.